Welcome to the Cracked Pots Podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. And this week we are going to be talking about how to read the Bible, how to get into reading the Bible. So I read a book. Congratulations. I know, right? So, <laughs> so I was at this conference and there were a couple of books that I wanted. And the first book I read was called Finish. And it's finish the art of getting things done or something like that. Hmm. Um, and I decided that the, one of my goals is to read um, at least a book a month. Um, that's not part of my typical practice. Um, so I started, I started reading um, on a regular basis. So, so uh, we had a member ask this week, um, you yeah, know, what's, what's the best way to read the Bible? I was like, you know what, this is a really good question. Um, Here's a hint. Don't just open it and start reading. Or maybe better advice, don't start in like the book of Numbers. Um, unless you're looking to go to sleep. If you want to go to sleep, open the book of Numbers in five minutes. Or Leviticus. Um, yeah, Levi well, Leviticus. You know, that, it is what it is. Um, so the question is, Pastor Rebecca, I really want to read the Bible. What is the best way for me to go about doing that? Well, you should have started by coming to my Bible study um, in September. Yeah, I didn't do that. But you didn't do that. Yeah, so. I didn't do that. Because <laughs> that was pretty much what that was all about. Yep. Um, the best way to read the Bible. Well, first of all, um, it, it helps. I know this sounds weird. It helps to do a little bit of research before you start. I know that that seems counterintuitive. But okay. part of the issue is when you are reading Scripture you are reading snippets of people's lives. Mm -hmm. And if you read it without any context whatsoever of what was going on in the world at that time, what was, you know, what, and also looking at it as the Bible is not a book that is like a normal novel where you pick it up, you read it beginning to end, and there's this, this story that you just kind of read through um, the way you would, you know, here's chapter one, chapter two, yep. whatever. It is a compilation, first of all, of multiple writers throughout, you know, different. hundreds and, you know, to a thousand years. And different genres of writing. And, and yes, and different genres of writing. Um, I'm not going to read the Psalms or Leviticus, uh, you know, the same way I'm going to read some of the narrative stories. Um, like oh, there say, was more. I thought you were just going to say, I'm not going to read the Psalms or Leviticus. Because <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at. Um, just going to read them. I mean, I'm not a fan of, of actually, I've, I am not a fan of, of Psalms. And I know some people that's horrifying. Um, I think they're beautiful, but it's the whole They're palette. better sung because that's what they are. They're, they're supposed yeah. to be, they're, they're poetic. They're supposed to be music. It is, and it's kind of one of the nice things we started doing in our traditional service is we started singing the Psalms because that really was how they were intended. It it's was, nice unless you sit in front of me and hear me sing them. Oh, you're not as bad as you it's, think it's, you are. It's less pretty. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Um, but the, the point being is knowing what you're reading helps immensely. Yes. Because if you're going to go in and you're going to try and read it, you know, cover to cover as all the same kind of literature, it's all the same kind of stuff. You know, most of the Old Testament, with few exceptions of things like Proverbs, Psalms, Leviticus, etc., uh, those books are not um, what we would call really all that narrative. Um, 
where uh, they're their stories, their, their, their stories about faith, their stories about the people, their stories about what was going on in the world at the time. And there's usually a context and an issue that is being addressed in some fashion. Uh, so again, you know, you go to say the Genesis um, story. I guarantee you Genesis 1 was not written to be a rebuttal against evolution. That was not the conversation that was going on 2,500 years ago. And you might be shocked when you hear the creation story, not once, twice, but twice. Right. Yeah, there was some redundancy there. Yeah. Uh, it was not written for that purpose. Right. You know, it was written into a culture that had their own, had a whole bunch of creation myths and stories. And Genesis kind of comes in and says, okay, we have a different portrayal of who we think God is. And if you're trying to read it as some kind of scientific rebuttal um, to evolutionary theory, that's not its purpose, was not its point. And you're, yeah, you're going to run into some problems if you try to read it that way. Um, also, if you look at the New Testament, with the exception of the Gospels, which again, the Gospels are a more narrative thing, yep. uh, the epistles are letters. They are letters. That's Paul, no punctuation, yep. Paul. Yeah. P well, <laughs> for Paul, P for no punctuation. It's, it's Paul, it's, yeah. it's James, it's, yeah. you know, whoever was writing first and second Peter, et cetera, et cetera, all those kinds of things. And recognizing that those letters are written because congregations had questions. They're trying to figure out how do we, how do we make ourselves and, and live within the context of our either Jewish world or pagan world or whatever it is, and how do we live out this new reality? And so they would ask the leaders of the church, like Paul, and say, how are we supposed to do this? And so Paul would give direction and say, here's, here's how things need to be done um, or should be done. And unfortunately, when we don't read it as, and we don't know what the original question necessarily was, we're missing those letters. Yeah. Uh, and, and we're missing, you know, first and second Corinthians. It actually should be more like first and third Corinthians because there's clearly a gap of, of information of there was another incident or something that he references in yep. second Corinthians that we have no record of, which means there was probably another letter in there. Yep. Because he's apologizing for some things and, and yep. saying, you know, oh, you know, I know I didn't, things didn't end well. <laughs> uh, you know, kind of, you know, going back to, to trying to make some, some amends with whatever conflict had arisen between them. Conflict in the church. What? I know. That early. Go figure. Which, should, which you know, I always find that, I, I don't know, I guess in some ways I find that comforting knowing that conflict didn't start in... New in us but then you look again and go well wait a minute so there's been conflict in the church like from the beginning oh yeah maybe it's going to be how are we going to resolve ours if we haven't been know, able to resolve it for the past 2000 years i'm sure yeah. we'll figure it out we're two smart people <laughs> <laughs> we'll solve all the church's conflict problems yes, i'm sure that's how that's going to work so, so I, I as you were as you were talking about you know sort of the different genres and stuff like that i think one thing we need to do is take a step is like maybe a half step back mm -hmm. And just point out that um, there's different translations. Yes. Um, so many people are familiar with the King James Version, which is lots of these and thous and thuses, um, which... It has a lot of errors, quite frankly. It does. It does. Yeah. Um, not all Bibles are created the same. Um, and some people are going to swear by the King James. 
some people are absolutely not going to swear by the. I, I with Pastor Rebecca, I I, I don't necessarily. Um, I think there's some some translation errors that are a little problematic in the in the King James. Good example of translation errors. If you go back to the Renaissance period, and are looking at some of the artwork, um, especially like Michelangelo's um, Moses. Moses has horns. It's a very bizarre thing um, that you will see Moses being depicted and portrayed with horns. Well, it's because it was a mistranslation. Uh, it was supposed to be uh, the, the, like the, the radiance of God coming off of his face kind of thing. Oh. And it got translated somehow as he had horns coming out of his head. And therefore, you're going to find a lot of, oh. of Renaissance type of artwork that has Moses with horns because it had been translated wrong. I'm clearly not up to date on my Renaissance portrayals of Moses. I was three credits away from an art history minor, so there you go. Oh, there we go. <laughs> you learn something new every single day, and that might be my tidbit for the day. So anyway, so there's different translations. Um, we typically, in worship, read uh, for the new revised standard version, um, which is pretty good. Yeah, there are some things that I prefer other, other translations because they don't always quite convey, and, and that's the problem with both Hebrew and Greek, is they have words we don't have. Yeah. Uh, like there's no, tr there's no good translation for the true meaning of what they mean or the fact that you have certain words that can mean multiple things. Yep. And you have to make, all translations are a theological choice. You're coming at it and you're making a theological decision about what a certain word means. Um, for Correct. instance, in the Greek, they have one preposition to like R10. So one word for them means about 10 different things in English. In, by, with, you know. Yep. We then have to decide, okay, which one best fits here. Something in Christ versus by Christ is going to change the meaning in English. Right. So. The, but don't you, let that stop you. No, don't let that stop you. Just be aware when you're reading it and you're reading it in English that if you get really bogged down in the grammatical English part of it and are going, but it says this. It's like, okay, well, let's go back and maybe look at the Greek and make they're sure. Not, I'm not going to look at the I Greek. I know you're not going to. I do that. But they're not going to. No, and they're not going to yeah. either. But just to be have an awareness that yeah. that word may not be what it says in English. Yeah. And it, I, it may not be the best translation. So one of the ways to do this is to pull up multiple translations and compare and contrast. And now that you can do. That you can. So, so a couple recommendations. One is just to find something that you find readable find readable. So for instance, this past Sunday, um, I read from the message, which is a more modern translation. I find it very readable. For the most part, the, um, well, the language is more modernized. So some of the familiar scripture is, is the English has changed. So it, it, it feels a little off, um, but it's, it's a, it's a fairly accurate translation. It's readable. Um, but but if, you're, if you're trying to find something that just isn't readable for you personally, guess what? You're probably not going to get through yeah. your, your goal of reading, of reading Scripture on a, on a consistent basis. And when we talk about what we mean by an accurate translation, um, the word-for-word -word translation the Message Bible is not very good at, nope. 
but it is very good at conveying again the theological meaning yes uh and that's that's what eugene peterson did was he basically looked at it and says i'm not going to do the verbatim you know word for word translation i'm going to take what this passage means and translate the meaning into english yep and therefore, from that standpoint, it becomes more accurate because it's conveying the meaning a bit more and using extra words and things that aren't in the Correct. original text. But we need to sometimes. Yep. That, that needs to happen because yep. we need to talk about, you know, those things. Yeah. So um, I, I think, I think that's, that's an important piece. Also, I think, um, you know, there's... There's apps, there's Bible apps you can pull in your phone. There's a website that, frankly, I use a lot, Bible Gateway, um, BibleGateway.com, and it will have, you can read the same verse from a bunch of different translations, which may be a good place to kind of dip your toe in the water a little bit. Um, the other thing that's out there that a lot of people don't know, if you, if you pick up the, the Bibles that are in the pews, um, it, you get sort of a just the facts, baby. You know, this is, this is what Scripture says. But there's also, you can, you can purchase a study Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and a study Bible will either at the bottom of the page or in the margin give you notes about what's going on to help you with that context. Um, you know, I have, I have the, a Lutheran study Bible um, that I use a lot because the stuff in the margins is, is golden. It is good stuff because it'll give you some context. Um, in our case, it'll give you some, some Lutheran context and some Lutheran theology. And every now and then, the one that I use has some thought questions um, that pull out and you go, oh, hmm, yeah, let me wrestle with that a little bit. Um, so be aware that there's also uh, a Bible beyond the Bible, um, so to speak. There's the Bible that just has the, the text in it, and then there's also um, some study Bibles that will give you some contexts mm-hmm. um, as to what's going on and sort of help you through some of the stuff Pastor Rebecca was talking about earlier in understanding the history and, and other things that are going on, and often they will point out um, a good study Bible will point out those attributes as well. Um, yeah, and if you're, you know, if you're really serious about it and, and willing to do this, one of the, and you're trying to do it on your own, um, there is a good course um, that you can purchase online um, through the Great Courses by Craig Kester called Understanding uh, the Bible as Literature. I think something along those lines. Yes. Something close to that. And it's basically, it's a walk from Genesis to, to Revelation. And um, I had him in seminary, and he taught this class. It's, a, it's a, an amazing class. It's kind of what I've been doing. I uh, based sort of my Genesis to Revelation class that I was doing sort of on hi- what he was talking about and doing um, in, in these, these videos. And so if you're trying to do it on your own, I would highly suggest getting that as kind of a companion piece where you maybe listen to his... Uh, for lack of a better term, lecture um, first, and then, mm. you know, and he'll cover, you know, like the entire book of Genesis in, well, actually Genesis, I think he splits into about three or four different um, lectures. Genesis is a big book. It's a big book, has a lot of different stories in it, has a lot of different things that are setting you up. Um, but a lot of the other ones, he'll, he'll combine some of the books into just one lecture. So it kind of goes back and forth. It, it, it evens out. But it's nice because you can get kind of that, he gets sort of that overview, the context, the what's going on. And you can then go back and like actually read the story and be able to then kind of go, oh, so this is this was interesting information. Or do it vice versa, read it and then listen to the to the lecture. 
Um, I, I found his stuff to be extremely helpful for people who ha don't have theological training, don't have, that's kind of what his, his, I guess, goal in ministry is to make the Bible relatable to people in everyday life. Yeah. And, and how to, and he uses examples from, you know, our modern lives of, you know, this would be like if we were to do X, Y, or Z. Uh, you know, he, he's who I got the, um, the wells, you know, when, when, whenever a guy shows up at a well and meets a girl, you know, something's going to happen there because that was kind of their, de their, their version of a singles bar, <laughs> you know, so it brings it into, it's all about the beverage. Yep. Yep. Brings it into, to today kind of language. So, um, I, I highly recommend, um, that through the great courses, if you're willing to, you know spend the money on on something like that yeah. it takes time i mean you're not going to read the bible in you know a month no and i and i think two things one you can write in your bible yes like you can make, make notes. you can make notes or underline or highlight god will not be mad at you you should see my bible um, and i say that i say that because i know people have a hang-up mm -hmm. um, sometimes yes it is holy scripture but i assure you that the bible you're writing on was not the original Holy Scripture. You're not defiling it. It's okay. Um, it's also not dictation. Right, right. Um, so the other piece, I, there's, there's reading plans that exist. Um, you know, you can find them online. You can find them, you know, in, again, the Lutheran Study Bible in the back of it has a reading plan and, and I, has a different, has like three different versions, I think. Sort of a short plan, a long plan, and a mid-range plan, I think is what it is. Um, but I think the important piece engage in it um you know and even if it's only a handful of verses a day um you know with your morning coffee you know you know before you go to bed um it's more about being for me i've always found uh, it's more about being in scripture than a task to complete Mm -hmm. um, and I hope I don't want it to become, I, I wouldn't want anyone to say, I feel like I have to read the entire Bible word for word. Um, that's a laborious undertaking. Um, that only, you know, theological geeks like myself tend to do. Yeah. And there's some stuff in there that, <laughs> that are quite frankly, dry is an understatement. Well, dry. Um, and let's face it, if you're, outside the context of what's going on, it really doesn't apply or have any meaning for today um, in a lot of cases. And so it can get very difficult trying to, to apply it to today's modern standards um, of life. Uh, we don't, you know, we don't live in a world with, uh, at least, you know, in the United States, we don't have, you know, monarchies. We don't have, you know, those kinds of things. Um, and so it, it's a different world. It's a different, it's a different structure. It's a different way of living. Um, yeah. the, the Jewish way of life is very communal. Um, here in the United States, we're very individualized. Yeah. Um, so everything's about personal this and that. And that's a concept in Judaism that's completely lacking and missing. It's not about individualism. It's about your community as a whole. Um, which I think a lot of Christianity, some of us are trying to get back to that understanding because that's what Jesus came out of. Yes. Um, G Jesus was Jewish. He was, he was communal. And that's where things like, oh, I don't know, 
care for your neighbor uh, kind of comes out. And uh, those are, are elements that if you're missing, you're not getting the full understanding of what the whole story of God's people is. Um, and, it, and it is a struggle, I think, for, for our culture um, compared to the every man for themselves, lift yourself up by your bootstraps, that sort of mentality. Um, comparing that to scripture where it was, you know, very communal. Um, so uh, case in point, um, a friend of mine uh, has taken up a cause lately that is not a cause that directly affects her in any way, shape, or form. But she is, she's championing it because she knows it affects a lot of other people. And her boyfriend said to her, he said, why are you becoming such a nut about this? It doesn't affect you. And she just kind of looked at him. She goes, well, we're Christian, right? And he's like, well, yeah. He goes, then if it affects my neighbor, it affects me. It, it, it matters to me because it's about how they're living as well. And if they are not living in a way that is full and abundant, then I need to find ways to help them get there. Yes. And that was kind of the, you know, and unfortunately we've lost all of that where, where it's, well, how does this affect me and me, you know, me and my family not how does this affect my society as a whole. Hey, I'm an only child, so yeah. I totally get the whole me thing. Yeah. Um, and and it, is, it is difficult sometimes to, to go, wait a minute, so who cares? That doesn't affect me. Yeah. Um, it's not my problem. And that's not to say that we're each individually going to take up every single cause. No. I mean, we can't. Um, I, I know Her life is limited. <laughs> well, and I know one of the things I struggle with um, as a pastor are all of the things that come across your desk that you can support, and and so many worthy things, um, you know, medical things for you know, water, clean for clean drinking water, you know, babies, this and and this ministry, and these people are homeless, and these people are hungry, and and it's really. It's overwhelming. Um, the amount of need in the world is, is yeah. huge. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, we have two options. Well, we have several options. But one, of, one option is to say, well, pff, I can't do anything to help everybody, so I'm not going to help anyone, which I don't advocate for. Or find something that you're passionate about mm-hmm. um, or that fits your context or, you know, is something that's doable within, within your context and commit to it. Um, yeah, and usually things you become passionate about are, are usually something that's happened to you at some point in time. I mean, let's face it, that's, you know, that's, that's usually how that works. Not always. I mean, there's sometimes people that are very passionate about the, the homeless, and they've never been homeless themselves. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of people, it's, no, I experienced this at some point in time in my life, and I understand how it stinks, and I need to, you know... And I really want to help. I don't those want who anyone else there. to have to go through that ever again. So right. I'm going to do what I can to make that not happen. Or be treated the way I was treated, or you know, yeah. they that somebody needs to know that people do care. You know, something yeah. along those lines. And yeah, that's that's kind of one of those those ways. But getting back to kind of how you get into reading scripture uh, and, and understanding scripture is 
as you as you go back as you're reading something something's going to hit you right something's going to grab you in scripture and follow that there's a reason there's a reason that something you're reading grabs you and sticks out to you um and that in many ways helps me guide what i'm doing um, in terms of how i'm studying one of the things for instance you know lectionaries by nature are cyclical so you will have the same general text to preach on if you're using the revised common every three years if you're using the narrative every four years there's some variation but for the most part it's the same texts mm -hmm. and one of my fears was oh my god how do you do that how do you preach this how do you preach the same text and and have it be different yep year after year and it is and especially like easter and Christmas, and those where it's the exact same story, you're trying to find new ways to tell it. But what amazes me, we, refer, we often refer to Scripture as the living Word of God. Yes. What amazes me is what I will read from a text today that grabs me and pulls me and stands out. The next time I read that text likely isn't the same thing that stands out. And there's a reason for that, because we're, we're engaging Scripture through our own current filters of our lives and what was, what's going on now in my life may not be what was going on three years ago when I read that same piece of scripture or what's going on in the world is not the same as what it was three years ago or four years ago with that same piece of scripture. But follow that pull. Um, if there's a curiosity, sit with it. Sit with that curiosity. And, you know, there's a practice called uh, Lectio Divina, where you're kind of reading the same thing over and over and over and over. Um, I'm, I personally am not a huge fan of that practice, except when I find something that, that grabs me for whatever reason, whether it's a curiosity or a struggle. And, it, and then I will often take that same piece of scripture, whether it's a verse or just a phrase within a verse, and I will focus and hone in on that a little bit. And meditate on it or something. Yeah, because there's a reason, yep. I, I firmly believe there's a reason that, that that is what is pulling you, that is what is grabbing you at that time. And I, I think that's one of the ways that you know, God helps, God communicates with us is through Scripture. Yeah, and when we're also when we approach Scripture, how we approach Scripture and what we think Scripture is, um, is, is very important as well. Here, a lot of times people call scripture a guide or a, a, a how-to book um, and I'll tell you right now you read the Old Testament that is not a how-to book that is do not do what they do I mean that's seriously do not do what they do have y'all watched Game of Thrones I'm not going to spoil the ending for you <laughs> but there's some really harsh similarities between Game of Thrones and the Old Testament so yeah that wouldn't don't do that but yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff in there that, yeah, can serve as a really good um, what not to do. Um, but at the same time, it's also silent on some issues. For instance, Jacob is a polygamist. And so if you're, you know, we're getting into a question of, can you have multiple wives, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's where some people go and say, hey, well, Jacob had multiple wives, so clearly it's okay. And... That's the thing about the, 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 I don't know if you want to call it the weird thing about God, is that he tended to work with what he had in the culture. And there were certain things he was trying to bring people toward and allowed certain things to continue to exist, even though maybe that was not what was going to lead us into the most abundant life. Um, or, and so 
making those discernments can be very difficult. It's part of why we have so many fights in the church yeah. is because you get so many people that are looking at it going, no, this is a literal guide for how to do things and we need to do it X, Y, and Z. Break out your stones, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And recognizing that the, the word of God is living and it speaks into each unique time and place. What was what God kind of allowed back in Abraham's day is not something He really allowed necessarily in Jesus's day, um, and or or shifted to I didn't allow this back then because you know this was such a wild and crazy world that I had to have really strict rules about what you did and didn't do because you needed to be set apart. Versus by the time you get to Jesus, there's this need to kind of relax some of those things because the gospel needs to go out into those communities where before it's been completely banned. Right. Um, you know, it was, you know, how do you be a light to the nations but not become like the nations? Um, you know, how, how do you, you deal with those realities? And we're still working on that in our modern context, looking at a 2,000-year-old text and saying, how does this living word of God work today and change today and, and speak into our situation right now? And, and still, and the amazing, the amazing thing, excuse me, 2,000 years old and still relevant. Very relevant. Um, while there are some things that are very different, some of the base issues are still there. Yes. Yeah, because humans are... We're not we really haven't evolved that much. No, as a we have society. not. Technologically, not. we have, yeah. but at our core, humans are still humans. We haven't evolved all that much. No, we still uh, do the same thing over and over again. We do not learn, and that—that that to me is kind of the Old Testament. It is one of those books that that is a. It lays out for you how much we just continue to repeat patterns. Yeah, and Jesus was <laughs> Jesus was the pattern breaker. Uh, he, you know, it was. Yeah we need to break this pattern because this pattern doesn't work. Yeah. And that, of course, raises a whole bunch of other questions when we start talking about God's sovereignty and blah, blah, blah. Um, but that's getting into a little bit more deeper issue than just how to read the Bible <laughs> and how to get into reading the Bible. Um, and, you know, for me, the answer is on the one hand, um, you know, just do it. Just, just start reading it. But don't read it in isolation. Reading it in isolation will send you down some really goofy paths. Say more about that. Well, first of all, whenever Jesus uh, uh, said, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I am there with you. There's a reason I, I firmly believe Jesus wanted us to be in community together because yes. you need other outside voices and eyes to look at something from a different perspective. Everybody is going to come to Scripture with a preconceived notion already of what something is or means. And it's based on your life, based on your experiences, based on what you were raised with, whatever it is. And you're going to always come at it from that perspective unless there's another voice that says, hey, have you ever looked at it from this? There's a, there's a really good study out there that I believe it was Mark Allen Powell did. Probably. On the story. He's really good. Yeah, the story of the prodigal son. And what he did was he went to three different countries and asked them, what does this story mean? And, of course, in America, it's about someone who squanders all of their 
wealth and is irresponsible and whatever and has to come running back home and you know luckily you know dad's willing to take you back in if you went to russia and asked that same question they said it was a story about a famine because there's a famine that happens if you go to africa it's a story about hospitality because no one would show hospitality to this guy who was down on his luck what your life situation is is going to dictate how you understand the Bible, yeah. how you understand these stories, because you are going to bring something into it. Someone else is going to bring something else into it. And, and that goes that gets into a little bit touching on the, the, the theory of law and gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what one person hears is convicting in Scripture, another person hears is liberating. Yes. Um, which, is, which is also a challenge. Um, the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Yes. If you're well off, that story does not sound like gospel. I've, I've done an exercise. I love that piece of scripture. I've, I've done an exercise uh, where I've broken a group into t- in half and said, okay, so you are Lazarus and you are the rich man. And then you read the first part of that story and you have them basically role play what they would say to the other side. And in most groups, once you get them over there, hey, listen, it's okay to be genuine here, they get pretty good at, at throwing their, their, their jabs back and forth. Um, oh, you're lazy. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, you don't care. So, so the Lazarus people initially say, oh, you, know, you don't care about me. You're greedy, blah, 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 blah. And then the rich people in that exercise every time go, oh, well, you're lazy and you don't want to work and you just want to work, milk the system, blah, 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 blah. Well, if you're familiar with that story at all, the end, it flips. And Lazarus is in, is in, in the glory position, and, and the rich man is begging for a drink, a drop of water. And, and is still trying to give orders to Lazarus, yes, by the way. Yes, yes, yes. And when you reverse it then and do the same role play with the same groups, the people who are now Lazarus are like, yeah, tough. You didn't, you didn't want to help me then? I'm not helping you now. I hope you suffer. Blah, blah. And it is amazing when people, if you get the right mix of people, how quickly we fall into that, into that notion. And it's a, good, it's a good exercise because it's an excellent demonstration of law and gospel. Mm-hmm. This is what I need to hear now because this is my position. Oh, now my position is switched. Whoops. Yep. And I think that's, that's one of the pieces um, that's really important when we're, when we're going through Scripture is trying to look beyond your own perspective. Um, and that's, let's face it, it's not easy, which is, which is why Pastor Rebecca said, if, if possible, you know, try and read this in community. Um, yeah, get, get those different perspectives, get those different um, eyes on it, different experiences of what this, this piece of scripture means to someone else or how they're hearing it. Because I guarantee there are gonna be, you know, you, you get, you know, four or five people together, you're going to have a variety of ways people understand uh, some of these things. But most importantly, <coughs> most importantly, I, I would say just engage the texts. Yep. Um, start, start by engaging the texts, and then you can start worrying about yep. the, the rest of it. So here's, so here's a recap. Here's, 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 the, here's the recap. One, just decide you want to do it. Two, find a translation that you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And I think also you kind of have to figure out what you, want, what you want to get out of it going in. 
because that may determine what you purchase um, or what online resource you use. Oh, for instance, there's a, a life application Bible that has, it, has, has the Bible in chronological order as best it can do. Yeah. So you're going to have pieces of the prophets mixed in with First and Second Kings, yep. uh, which, you know, because in the regular Bible, those are all separate and there's no chronological order to it. And there is a Bible that tries to do that. It's very tricky to do that yeah. um, because you get some things that repeat. I mean, parts of Isaiah, parts of Second Kings are, are almost identical in, and First Kings are, are, are identical in what they are saying to each other. And so, yeah, finding, finding those, you know, something like that can be helpful then because you start to realize, oh, this is when the prophet Isaiah was, was speaking. Oh, this is when the prophet Jeremiah was speaking and who they were speaking to. You know, you've got Amos and Hosea. Well, they were prophets to the north, as was Elijah. Um, Isaiah and, and um, Jeremiah, Micah, all prophets in the south. Different issues, different yep. things they were going after. And, and I think, you know, Pastor Rebecca talked on this earlier. Um, it's not a cover-to-cover -cover read. Mm -mm. Um, so one of my recommendations, I think, would be to, to find a reading plan that kind of keeps you on track. Find a daily reading plan, and, and they're out there. They exist. They're online and um, in, in many Bibles. And honestly, one of my suggestions is skip something like Leviticus to start off with. It's yeah. going to bog you down in all the rules and regulations that were primarily for Levitical priests, and it's just, it, it's fascinating reading if you want to know all that stuff. But if you're just wanting to get the overarching story, skip it. Yeah. And, and recognizing Deuteronomy does not also follow the narrative that goes from Genesis, Exodus, um, in some of Numbers, but is a recap of the whole thing. Right. So it, it's basically... Moses giving a final sermon that recaps their history. And so I said I wanted to get by a dog and name it Deuteronomy. Not because I like the book. I just wanted to be able to say here, duty. Here, dude. No, not even duty. Just dude. <laughs> Sorry, that really has nothing to do with reading scripture. Um, but she said Deuteronomy and hey. There it went. It, there it was. There it goes. So yeah, just commit to it. If you have any questions, certainly seek us out. We'll give whatever guidance we can. Um, but I'm just excited that we have people who say, hey, you know what, I really want to engage Scripture. What's the best way to do it? Um, and and the, I'm willing to do the Genesis to Revelation thing again with a new group if, you know, they want to do yeah. it. Uh, that's, I, I'm happy to do it. Just come to me and say, I want, you know, group of us didn't get to do it the first time. We'd like to go through and, yep. and do it again. I am so happy to do that because it's my favorite class to teach. Um, Next to Revelation. She's a, <laughs> I got it in, I got it in. Pastor Rebecca's a Bible nerd. <laughs> I am. Did you know that? I think you did. Um, <laughs> I, we're, I, I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn speaking for both of us. We're just excited that people are looking to engage Scripture. Yes. Um, and I think that is... That and is what exciting. it means in their lives. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's one thing to... And, and a very important thing is to say, just because you've read Scripture does not mean you've understood Scripture. And that's okay. You don't yes. have to understand everything. Nope. It's okay. It's okay to ask questions. It's, it's okay to not understand. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to do some extra research. It's okay to look things up. But it's, Yay, Google! I, I, I'll be perfectly honest. Last week's text from Romans, I, I confess, I am, not a, I am not a fan of Paul's writings. I read that thing in like a bunch of different translations and a bunch of commentaries to really get at 
what was sticking out to me because sometimes sometimes scripture's a struggle mm-hmm. um and and that's okay don't certainly you're not alone yeah um, there, there are sometimes for us where we get a piece of scripture that we're supposed to preach on and sometimes there's an automatic yep this is where this is going and other times we sit there and we go i have absolutely no clue where to go with this on friday night yeah um, <laughs> true story <laughs> um or <laughs> where it's leading us um gives us pause yeah because we're like whoa i don't know that i can say that here I, you know that honestly there are things i don't say because i know I'm like, I don't, I don't think people are ready to hear that. I don't, I don't think that that's something that, that is going to help this community. I think it's going to shut, down, shut them down rather than challenge them. Yeah, and I, and I think you have, to, you, have to, you have to be aware of that. As, as, as yeah. preachers, you have to be aware of that. I think, I think as, as lay people looking to engage the text, um, be willing and to struggle. struggle with it. Yeah. Be willing and, to struggle with it. So, for instance, earlier this year, we did David and Bathsheba. That's a text that we should struggle with. Mm-hmm. We should absolutely struggle with that text because for one of the reasons, you know, when you start to engage scripture, depending on your, on your level, level of biblical literacy, most people know that David is kind of a, a heroic figure in scripture. He's lifted up. So if you only read that text as though David is this heroic figure, you're likely to miss the point of all the all the bad uh, things he did. All the all the abuses that were, you you, you tend to kind of justify them. Um, so it it's, yeah. It, but struggle with the text. It's okay. Yeah. Um, don't don't get discouraged, um, and, and 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 recognize that struggling with the text is a lifelong thing. Being challenged is yes. a lifelong thing. If you stop being challenged by scripture and you stop being challenged by sermons, then you're you're in trouble. Um, because there is no way any one person, aside from Jesus, <laughs> is not going to struggle with some of the stuff. Right. Because, again, as humans, a lot of Scripture kind of challenges how we operate and, and, and how we naturally do things. And to have that challenged can be really difficult. And... Yep. Sometimes our, our, our knee-jerk reaction is to just be like, no, that's, that can't be how that is. So here's my question. You can only read one book of Scripture. What are you reading? What do you mean? You I'm, can, I'm confused by the question. You, you, can, read, you can read one, <laughs> one book in, okay. the, in, in the Bible. Okay. What are you reading? Oh, don't ask me that. Revelation? I'm reading Revelation. Really? At Genesis. Huh. Genesis. I, I, I honestly, I would probably go with Genesis. Um, I don't know. It, it just it, it gives this story. It's or, or maybe the Gospel of Mark. Yes, yeah. I love Mark's Gospel. Mark's Gospel. I, that was my answer. My answer was going to be Mark's Gospel, yeah. and I love the reason I love Mark's Gospel. Um, shout out to Pastor Liz, was my home congregation pastor. Um, she's one of the reasons I ended up in seminary she referred to Mark's gospel as the Rambo Jesus because it goes so incredibly fast. Mark does not fluff things out. It is just, bam, one thing to the next. I equate the gospel of Mark to a kid telling a story. Mm-hmm. And he did this, and he did and this, this, and he did and this, this, and he did and this, and then, and then, and then he did and, this. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how it goes. And one of the exercises we had to do in seminary was read the gospel of Mark in one sitting. 
It's not a long book. It's not no. that hard to do. 16 chapters or something like that. Yeah, something like that. But it's not that hard to do. And you get a sense of how quickly Mark is moving through things. And you get and as you engage more scripture, when you go back to Mark, you realize how many things that you, you're inserting into Mark that aren't actually in Mark that cause you to pause. Mark is my absolute favorite book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just Well, and, and, and while I, on the one hand, I say, you know, Revelation... The only reason I say that is because the only way you can, it's good because once you get to a point where you're actually understanding what Revelation is about, it tells the whole story. It tells the story of, God pe- of God's people. Um, it tells, it, it has the gospel in there. It's just funky it's, getting there. It, well, the problem is in order to get there, you've got to strip away all of the stuff you've heard about it from all these other places and have and unfortunately you also have to have the kind of mind that is able to live in symbolism yeah. and i do because my favorite gospel is john's gospel i know that, that is my so that's your least favorite of the four gospels <laughs> john is my fifth favorite gospel <laughs> I'm just not a fan. Um, John reminds me of like the hippie surfer dude telling the story all metaphorically and tri- yeah. and trippy. But that's what I love about it. And I, See, I, I do not. Um, I, I love John's gospel because of the imagery. And shockingly enough, a lot of the imagery in John's gospel gets played out in Revelation. Right. So the, those two sense. to me are very very connected. Um, and, and it's you know it's picture language. I'm an artist. I, 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 I get picture language. I, I draw stick figures. Yeah, I, I understand picture language. I understand, oh, these are representative of these kinds of things. And now take those kinds of things and, and you apply them not just to um, the first century Roman world, but now apply them to my world, which, by the way, we're going to be doing a sermon series on Revelation over the summer. I was going to plug that. <laughs> yeah, we're actually um, shaking things up this summer a little yep. bit and doing some, some more um, some sermon series, uh, which the narrative lectionary lends itself to. So Pastor Rebecca will be doing six weeks on Revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm excited for that. And I think the main reason I'm excited is because I know she's like geeking out over here. Um, that she gets to do it. Um, <laughs> so she's excited about that. I'm going to do um, three weeks on stewardship, everybody's favorite. Um, and then three weeks on, I don't know what yet. Um, I'm kind of... I thought you were doing hospitality. I was, but I don't know. Okay, well, you need to let me know because I'm going to be printing the newsletter and I'm putting what the topic is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so maybe, we, maybe the topic is... TBD. <laughs> to be decided. Okay. Yeah, because I have a couple things in my head that I just can't quite flesh them out yet. Okay, but anyway, that's fair enough. We can put TBD. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited because um, it gives us the opportunity to do things a little differently for a season mm-hmm. um, in the church, and then we'll ramp up back up with the narrative lectionary again after Labor Day where we'll start at Genesis and make our trek through the Old Testament. And I believe the Gospel of Mark. And it is the Gospel of Mark this year, so I am very excited about that. Very excited about Gospel of Mark. And I'm even more excited that you all are looking to engage Scripture um, on your own or in community or with us in whatever capacity. Just crack open, find a Bible you like, find a Bible you're comfortable with, crack it open and, and enjoy. All right, well, thanks for joining us. Hope this was helpful for anybody who has really not read the Bible and wants to and wants to know how to get get into it. Hope we didn't scare you off. Or re-engage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, re-engage or just, you know, you want to go through it again with new eyes somehow. 
Um, we encourage that. And again, come talk to us if you ever you know want to want to flesh out some of that stuff. Uh, we're happy to help you. So thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you next week. If you have any questions or uh, ideas that you want us to cover on the podcast, please email us at ipccrackedpots at gmail.com. Peace out. Oh,